From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Women at Work on Business Radio. Here is your host, Laura Zarrow. Welcome to Women at Work and our ongoing conversation about how we get more women to join, stay, succeed, and lead in the workplace. I'm your host, Laura Zarrow, Senior Director of Wharton People Analytics. Delighted to be with you for today's show on the nation's preeminent leadership development organization for girls. Yes, the Girl Scouts currently supports 1.8 million girls annually across the U.S. And through its history, over 59 million of us have participated, including all of our female secretaries of state, 76% of our female senators, the CEO of IBM, Ginny Romady, Venus and Serena Williams. Oh, and did I mention Taylor Swift and just about every female astronaut who has ever flown in space? So today we're going to talk about what are these enduring benefits that so many generations of girls have found by participating in the Girl Scouts? And how has the program evolved to help today's girls, the girls that are across our country in every socioeconomic bracket, take the lead in their own lives, face the challenges that are up against, that they're up against, and maximize their contribution to the future that we all share. I get to talk about this with two amazing guests today. I'm delighted to welcome into the studio Dr. Andrea Bastiani-Archibald, the Chief Girl and Family Engagement Officer for Girl Scouts of the USA, and Julia Bash, a student here at Wharton, but more importantly for today's purposes, a proud Girl Scout alumna. Before we get into the discussion, let me tell you a little bit about each of my guests. Andrea is a developmental psychologist. I love this title. As Chief Girl and Family Engagement Officer, she helps develop and implement national strategic initiatives to effectively serve girls and their families. She also serves as a national spokesperson on girls and women's leadership development, parenting and family dynamics, cultural influences such as economics, social media and pop culture, gender issues, current events, and demographic shifts in the national girl population. And in addition to this wide range of expertise from nearly a decade at Girl Scouts USA, she speaks on the exclusive data generated by the Girl Scout Research Institute which she also oversees and is, is, you know, close to our hearts because at Wharton, you know, we believe you can't manage what you don't measure and data really matters. I'm a total data junkie. (laughs) We also have the gift of having with us um, Julia Bash, who was named a National Young Woman of Distinction in 2014. I think she still continues to be a pretty distinctive young woman. Um, For her Girl Scout Gold Award project, though, Julia successfully listed Buck Creek Rosenwald School, a historically segregated school in Shelby County, Kentucky, on the National Register of Historic Places. Talk about navigating bureaucracy. And she's the youngest person in Kentucky to nominate a site. She also created a traveling educational exhibit about the Rosenwald schools that tours throughout Kentucky. And like I said, an amazing Wharton student. So both of you, welcome to Women at Work. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here. So Julia, I actually want to start with you. Okay. You know, you have just made this transition between, I'd say, you know, your developmental years as a girl, you're now a glowing young woman here thriving at Wharton. When you think about your Girl Scout experience, um, where did it come to life the most as you started your college years? Where did you see it pay off? Definitely. Um, So I was a Girl Scout from first through 12th grade, and I absolutely loved being a part of the organization. I learned so many valuable skills and lessons that I've been able to implement as a college student here today. 
Um, I think one of the main things is learning um, about leadership skills and really how to become a young woman of courage and confidence. And I've really been able to implement that here as a student at Wharton um, and Penn in general. Um, I love being involved in so many different clubs across campus and taking on leadership roles within those clubs. Well, I have to confess, Julia, you proved this to me long before today's radio show because um, I have to you know, come out and say, I knew Julia before I knew that Julia was a girl scout because in a way that totally impressed me, Julia found me and reached out to me with an incredibly elegantly, crisply worded email saying, I'd like to come talk to you. I'd like to learn more and see how you could help me learn more. (laughs) And it showed me a confidence and effectiveness, a professionalism um, that we all need to develop. But there it was right there. Definitely. Yeah, I think that was one of the major things I learned as a Girl Scout was just always never being afraid to ask and reach out for help, ask a lot of questions, um, and reach out to adults who are professionals in fields that you're interested in to learn more from them, learn about how they can help you get in the direction that you want to go, and help you figure out your career decisions, because there's a lot to be decided. (laughs) Yes, and I hope we're going to follow up on some of those decisions. (laughs) Just you and me, though, without the audience. Um, Andrea, One of the things that I find striking about the way that Julia talks about her experience is it's not the Girl Scouts of my childhood. It sounds like there's, um, at the very least, a series of dots that get connected to professional life, but maybe even some stronger threads. Could you talk to me about, am am I seeing that correctly? I think you absolutely are. I think... um... I, I like to call Julia and you know others like her our outcomes in action, and we're doing um, a bit of a better job articulating the value of Girl Scouts today and the relevance. Um, girls have changed a whole lot in 105 years, so Girl Scouts has had to evolve too, and um, we're really working to. Inf- we've always been about leadership, but we're really working to infuse our um, national curriculum and the benefits we offer girls with those skills that they need to become leaders today in their own lives, whether they're in second or third grade or whether they're in 12th grade or, you know, a young alum um, like Julia um, or take into their careers, you know. Um, so we, we know that these skills are enduring um, and the lessons they learn in Girl Scouts are enduring. And um, we're working to really refine those so that we can make our girls as successful as we know they can be. So. Question about the things that we know to be enduring. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about the Research Institute and where and how you're getting your data. Absolutely. Um, so our um, National Girl Scout Research Institute is the research arm of the national organization. Um, we're really proud to have it. We've, um, gosh, I think we're about 15, just over 15 years old. Um, we conduct original research um, on girls as well as boys, actually, when we're looking at um, gender differences. Uh, we conduct some research on women at large as well, um, so we can better understand our impact. And then, of course, we conduct national program evaluations and studies that really advance our own organizational or business initiatives. So, um, and pardon me, Julia, I just have a few more questions just for Andrea. Yeah, definitely. I want to understand how you're shaping the program. What are the inputs that are helping the program change? Because it sounds like you're doing a lot of work to assess how does Girl Scouts impact girls and what are girls up against? How does that make its way into the experience that Julia's having? That's a terrific question. Um, so we work to really um, construct our own national um, 
surveys and collect data for girls and families at large? What do families need? What do parents who are the decision makers of their daughter's experiences want for their daughters today? Um, things like this. But then we also look to the larger youth development landscape. There's a whole lot of data out there. And what is the unique value Girl Scouts can have? So we kind of, um, we integrate some of that um, together. And um, we have a team of about nine um, senior research scientists um, at the organization. We also work with um, a number of national um, university and uh, universities, as well as um, national research centers, things like this, um, to conduct best-in-class studies. Um, we've evolved our national outcomes model. We have five key leadership benefits that we have refined to tie to um, our national curriculum. And when we talk about the curriculum development, you'd ask that, and I didn't quite go to that right away. Um, when we talk about our curriculum development, what is unique is that we develop activities, we test them with girls, girls tell us how they want to receive such information. Um, that's the difference between getting um, like a STEM experience, for example, through Girl Scouts, than getting a STEM experience through another, perhaps even girl-focused STEM organization. So... It's interesting to hear how much thought Girl Scouts is putting behind what are driving family decisions, what's the impetus to join, mm -hmm. and then how satisfying is the experience. Julia, when you joined Girl Scouts, do you even remember why you joined? Um, I just remember there was a troop at my school, um, started up in first grade. Uh, I probably would have been a daisy in kindergarten <laughs> if we had had that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just remember most of my friends were joining Girl Scouts. Um, it seemed like a fun way to get involved, get to know people better. Um, making new friends is a huge part of Girl Scouts, um, especially at an early age. Yeah. Um, so it was overall a great experience. And I remember loving the Brownie curriculum and um, getting to explore a lot of different things, whether it was a science experiment or learning about Girl Scouts around the world. Um, so I was hooked right off the bat. By the way, this is Women at Work on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. I'm your host, Laura Zarrow. I'm talking with Andrea Bastiani Archibald, Chief Girl and Family Engagement Officer for Girl Scouts of the USA and former Girl Scout, current Wharton student, Julia Bash. So she's talking about some of her earliest memories with Girl Scouts. And Andrea, she's mentioning STEM. She's mentioning a global perspective. How did these things make it into the curriculum? And how are you assessing their impact? So we know those are critical um, areas for girls to develop in if we want them to become 21st century leaders. Um, but at Julia's, um, based on her recollections of second and third grade, <laughs> they're just fun. She's making new friends. She realizes now the impact they might have had. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but you know, for kindergartners through, you know, through any girls in elementary school, all we want them to do is have play, be exposed to the variety of activities that Girl Scouts uniquely offers and um, have a blast. You know, girls are getting often their first camping experience, their first outdoor experience through Girl Scouts. And we know those have significant leadership impacts and team building impacts for young girls. Um, would they call them that? No, they went camping, right? right? <laughs> um, they um, are certainly making new friends, as um, Julia shared. Um, but they're also they're trying their hands at things that the larger culture might be telling them are not quite for them, like science, like math, um, things like this. So um, really important. Um, the girls are learning these th things through play. We assess them through um, national um, surveys conducted by our Girl Scout Research Institute. Um, at the youngest grade levels, girls may have um, some partners in asking them questions, some semi-structured interviews, things mm -hmm. like this. Um, but we tie them to five intentional and measurable 
measurable leadership benefits, like strong sense of self, confidence and self-efficacy, positive values. And um, and these are things that yeah. come from psychological research. Absolutely. Um, there are key youth development um, indicators and things that we believe that we have a smart way of offering um, a way that's uniquely girl-driven, girl-led. Things that will drive them to develop um, the leadership characteristics that we know they will need um, to be making those critical decisions for their own lives or at the highest levels of business or nonprofit or um, government um, agencies. Absolutely. So, Julia, um, I love this phrase, girl-driven and girl-led. Talk to me about when you stepped into, what's your memories within your scouting experience mm-hmm. of starting to step into a leadership role? Definitely. I think the turning point was entering middle school. Um, and in sixth grade, my troop shifted focus from having all the activities be led by the leaders to having them be led by the girls. So in sixth grade, um, we set it up by having um, two girls um, each lead a meeting. So the pair would lead the meeting, decide what topics we wanted to do, whether we would do a badge or a service project, um, and then they would execute it. So it was a really exciting way for us to get involved in leading the activities for our troop. Did this scare you at all at the time? No, not at all. I think it was a really natural transition. And um, I think it's one thing that Girl Scouts does best is allowing girls to step into that leadership position when they're ready. Um, and that's ultimately what Juliet Gordon Lowe, the founder of Girl Scouts, had in mind for girls. So it sounds like one of the things that made that successful for you was that you had had this modeled for you by the facilitators. Definitely. What's the formal term now for the people who run the the group. The formal term is adult volunteer, but um, I, my guess is Julia recognizes troop leader as well, <laughs> if it's a trooper group. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I hope all your, your listeners know that we offer troops and groups in, you know, schools around the country. So sometimes it's not the traditional model that they might be thinking of. Um, we also offer Girl Scouts behind bars and detention centers in a variety of unique spaces. So it's not just um, the quote unquote church basement or um, around mom kitchen table. Okay, so um, all of these amazing people, Mm -hmm. they volunteer their time, they're adult volunteers. Um, Who's eligible to serve as one? Anyone is eligible, and that's men and women. Males can serve as incredibly inspiring um, adult volunteers for their daughters, their nieces, um, their students in their community, you know, all of them. And I think it's especially um, cool when we have a troop that might be co-facilitated by a, a man and a woman so that girls are exposed to different varieties of leadership styles. Um, we've also had wonderful success with college students facilitating troops and groups too. Um, they are considered kind of near peer mentors. Uh, we like to say, if you can see it, you can be it. And for some of our older girls and Girl Scouts, they might see that young college student. They may have never stepped foot on a college campus or know that's even something they can aspire to. But when they see that they come in contact and get to know that volunteer it becomes all the more accessible so it sounds like um there's a particular value in having um troop leaders who and because i'm using the term from when i was a girl yes Um, we still no we still use it we absolutely (laughs) use it but there's a variety of ways ways that people can guide girls yeah um so having 
um, the troop leaders be outstanding role models. But that's not the entirety of it, and that's why it's okay if it's not all women, because Absolutely. what you want are troop leaders who are going to bring out the best in the girls. We, we Exactly. When I talk about um, our girls being girl-led, they are, even at the youngest grade levels, we give them um, voice and choice around the table in appropriate ways. I love that. Voice um, and choice. Voice and choice, yes. And where else can girls get this, right? Uh, we want... Those adult volunteers, like Julia had, to bring out the best in their girls, to let them step into those leadership roles, be it facilitating a troop meeting, designing a take-action project, or even just offering an idea. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that alone for is some, really powerful. Right? Um, well, in the right think, way. When you think about how much, actually on this show, we talk all the time about the challenge that women face in having their voice yes. heard in a meeting. So mm-hmm. learning to do this early on is critically important. And it seems Definitely. like, for Julia, like for you, it started to feel natural. Mm-hmm. Well, I and think even you don't go- always even realize it. Am I right. speaking for, I don't mean to speak for you, but I think it's just that natural progression. It is. Yeah. I mean, even before sixth grade, um, before we started to like help lead our own meetings, we would always be a part of those decisions. What to do with our cookie money every year, what activities to do on the camping trip. Um, and then it just became a natural progression to high school when I felt like I could voice my opinions um, at our council's annual meeting or as a girl member of the Girl Scouts of Kentucky and a board. How did it feel for you, Julia, when the audience were not your fellow Girl Scouts? Um, I feel like we need a different word mm-hmm. for that because fellow sounds male, but we'll come back your to that sisters. on another show. We call you yes. Girl Scout sisters. <laughs> okay, when you're not with your Girl Scout sisters. Um, but in, say, a co-ed classroom at Wharton, did you find that you were the same in that environment? Did you change at all? How did it affect you? Definitely. I mean, I think it was great to start building that confidence in the Girl Scouts um, girl-only environment. Um, that was really empowering for me. And then it has definitely translated into greater confidence um, speaking in classrooms or at meetings or anything. Um, I'm in several classes at Wharton that are majority um, male classes. I'm actually in one right now. I'm one of five girls in the class. And how many are total number? What's the total number of students in the class? Um, it's probably like around 50. Okay. Yeah. So this you're really in the important. Yeah. I think what Juliet's, uh, Julia's calling out is so important because there are so many people who say, well, well wait a minute, you know, the gender barriers, there's, you know, we, we've overcome those and we don't need these all-girl spaces. We're inclusive now. Well, the all-girl space is incredibly relevant still for girls today because especially in areas where girls or women are traditionally underrepresented, they're developing these skills in that safe environment. And of course, they're translating them to co-ed. All of girls' lives are co-ed. But that safe girl space is something special, you know, for girls and still so necessary. Absolutely. So going back to the necessary, you mentioned something a few minutes ago that um, I don't want to let just go by. And you talked about um, girls I'm gathering whose parents are in prison or girls Mm -hmm. who are in detention centers. Um, So talk to me about these populations, Mm -hmm. how you find and serve them, um, and what kind of the arc is that Girl Scouts can bring them on? I think what's incredibly special is um, the Girl Scouts Behind Bars program offers girls and families the opportunities to see um, women who are incarcerated or those mothers in leadership roles. So it's when girls are visiting their moms who are incarcerated, their mothers are serving as the troop leaders. So it's still a way that they get to actively engage as parents even though they're incarcerated. Exactly. And see them maybe in a different light and have those positive experiences of not just quality time 
time, but leadership boosting for both of them. Mm -hmm. um, they're offered um, around the country in you know different regions. We have 112 National Girl Scout Councils. We're in every zip code across the U.S. Not in every zip code with the Behind Bars program. But it is specific to some of our regions. And especially in settings mm -hmm. where there are like it's there are challenges that are even bigger than the very real challenges exactly. that the average girl, girl is faces growing up. How do here, you here. <laughs> equip those troop leaders and those girls differently? Or do you? Um, we, we, you know what? We believe that all women and girls have the potential, and we start with our standard curriculum and training models. We don't alter it significantly. There are different sensitivities, of course, with different mm -hmm. populations. Um, but I think what's important for everyone to hear is that there's a stereotype that Girl Scouts serves middle to upper middle class white girls. <laughs> and in fact, we're incredibly diverse, um, and we have huge scale. Um, we serve over um, 187,000 African-American girls over 204,000 Hispanic girls, almost 60,000 Asian girls. Um, I, I mentioned we're in every zip code. Um, a third of our members are of lower socioeconomic status. Um, so we are for every girl. We believe in the potential of every girl and every woman to serve too. And so we do have that standard model. Um, this, by the way, is Women at Work on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111, and I'm your host, Laura Zarrow. I am talking with Andrea Bastianic, Archibald, Chief Girl and Family Engagement Officer for Girl Scouts USA, and former Girl Scout and current Morton student, Julia Bash. So, Julia, I have a question for you. Um, as Andrea paints the picture for us, we can see that U.S. Girl Scouts is amazingly diverse, economically, racially, um, Faith, all different kinds of faiths, mm -hmm. political, nonpartisan. Mm -hmm. um, yet, as you start to paint the picture, I can see a, this troop is different than that troop is different than that troop. As a Girl Scout in a troop, when did you start to see the differences in other Girl Scouts? What were the experiences that helped you see what other girls' realities were as you were growing up? Yeah, I think we got to see that as um, I got older through Girl Scouts um, and also as I started to meet girls from other troops. Um, so I loved serving as a member of the Girl Scouts of Kentucky and a board. I had um, the amazing privilege to meet other people from our council there. Um, I loved attending national events like the Girl Scouts mm -hmm. National Conventions. Um, and in the, my freshman year, I attended the Girl Scouts Leadership Institute, where I met girls from all over the country. And it was just amazing to see Girl Scouts coming from all walks of life who are passionate about so many different things and who are so excited for the different futures we are going to have. Okay, so when, how old were you when you went to the Girl Scout Leadership Institute? Uh, I think 14. Okay, and what are the age, and Andrea, what are the age ranges of for who can go to the Leadership Institute? I believe it's high school girls, but I'm going to check with Julia. <laughs> That's something that we so. offer at our triennial convention, our national convention every three years. Yeah. GSLI. Okay, so I'm going to ask a totally selfish question, or a self-focused question. Um, <laughs> I have an awesome 15-year-old daughter. Yay! Who um, had <laughs> she been, <laughs> she had been in Brownies. Yeah. She's not now. But we've been talking as her ambitions start to take shape. And as I see the different activities that she's getting involved in, 
in. Is it too late for her to join the Girl Scouts? Can older girls join in? It's never too late. It's um, never too late. I think yeah, you can absolutely join at any age. I, In fact, in my troop in high school, we had a couple new members join in high school because they you know, knew me from school and knew that I was working towards my gold award. And they were like, that's awesome. I'm really passionate about this and I want to get involved. So um, definitely never too late to join Girl Scouts. And that's one of the things I love about it is because um, to, for example, to actually earn the gold award, there aren't a ton of prerequisites. Like you have to be in Girl Scouts from sixth grade or whatever. You don't have to have a vest Um, with every badge imaginable. No, no, no. It's just really um, a proficiency in our leadership model, which is the identification of community needs, the ability to gather, you know, resources, people and um, perhaps financial, et cetera, around you to create the sustainable solutions to community issues. So is that, is that, Julie, is that what the gold award is? So explain what it is for those of us not in the know. For those of you who don't know, the gold award is the highest award in Girl Scouting. I'm sure most people are already familiar with the Eagle Scout for boys, so I hate comparing it to that. But yes, I know it a lot of like... grown men who share with us <laughs> that they were Eagle Scouts. Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. So technically, it's the equivalent to the Eagle Scout for boys. Um, and but it's a real achievement. It is. In both cases. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's I... an incredible achievement. I'm, she, I'll, I'll toot her horn. Um, <laughs> only about 6,000 girls across the country earn it every year. Um, and ours is a different model. Um, so Boy, Boy Scouts, I believe, are earning it for you know a tremendous commitment to community and community service. Our girls are earning it um, for their creative and innovative solutions to community um, needs, either local community or global. Definitely. The Gold Award um, tasks girls with identifying a need in the community and creating a solution to solve that need. By any chance, are you pursuing entrepreneurship while you're here at all? <laughs> yes, I'm actually a part of PENSEM, which stands for Penn Social Entrepreneurship Movement. Um, so I joined as a freshman, and I did the freshman year um, seminar program, which is actually a national program. Um, and so then last year, I was able to lead it as a sophomore for the incoming freshman. Oh, that's, so did you feel like your experience on the Gold Award Project helped prepare you for this? 100%. Yes. I love... Um, just using that mindset to identify a community need or a social issue and then um, really being a visionary to come up with a solution to solve it and then implementing it using the business skills. So it sounds like you loved the process. Yes. So um, how did it feel when you actually found out that you won the award? So for <laughs> for earning the gold award, um, I had to like turn in all my final paperwork um, and the committee approved it. So I wasn't like super shocked about that because I had kind of followed through on my proposal. But um, I was really surprised when I was awarded the National Young Woman of Distinction in 2014. That's when I met Julia. Um, Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know. So that was a year when my gold award was recognized as one of the top 10 gold awards in the nation. Oh, my goodness. Um, So I just was so overjoyed and thrilled and honored to be able to represent Girl Scouts uh, with that title. It's amazing to see the way that Girl Scouts nurtured you to be passionate, driven, um, productive, and to be able to then parlay that into now the next launching pad for your career. Um, I'm so excited talking about this with both of you, but we do (laughs) need to take a break. So when we get back, we're going to talk more about all of this, some of the most iconic Girl Scouts experiences, including those cookies. Um, And uh, just so you know, I'm Laura Zarrow. You're listening to Women at Work here on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. We will be back in a moment with Andrea Bastiani-Archibald, Chief Girl Scout and Family Engagement Officer for Girl Scouts USA 
Day and the incredible Julia Bash. Uh, Stay tuned. We'll be back soon. You're listening to Women at Work on Business Radio, Sirius XM 111. Here again is Laura Zarrow. Welcome back to Women at Work and our ongoing conversation about how we can help more women join, stay, succeed, and lead in the workplace. And while they're at it, maximize their impact on the world we all live in. Um, I'm your host, Laura Zarrow, Senior Director of Wharton People Analytics, and today we are focusing on that extraordinary organization that supports 1.8 million girls annually across the U.S. to be their best selves, and I'm talking about the Girl Scouts. Joining us for today's discussion is Dr. Andrea Bastiani-Archibald, the Chief Girl and Family Engagement Officer for Girl Scouts of the USA, and Julia Bash, a student here at Wharton, um, but more importantly for today's purposes, a proud Girl Scout alumna. Um, So in the first half hour, we were talking, it was amazing to learn from both of you about the role that Girl Scouts has played in your development, the broad um, mission and kind of mandate of the Girl Scouts to Mm -hmm. really serve every girl at every stage in this country and to prepare them for what lies ahead. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about kind of what I see as these um, paired purposes of Girl Scouts. One is to help girls be their best selves and be happy and navigate the world that they're in. And another is to help them be the most that they can be. And be change agents. So I like to talk about it as developing girls to be leaders in their own lives, to make those healthy decisions, to do set themselves on the right course for them and be willing to, you know, take an alternate path, even when perhaps their peers or even their family is directing them otherwise, Mm -hmm. and then to create change that they wish to see in the world around them. Um, So we're giving them those skills um, to use whatever ways they see fit to create that positive change. And so I know that you do all this work on curriculum development, on program development, Mm -hmm. yet there's a part of the Girl Scout experience that is, it's iconic. In fact, there are those of us who say, isn't it that time of the year where I can buy cookies in the subway, on the street corner, on my way to work? Where are my Hankering for Thin Mints. (laughs) (laughs) Number two in the the cookie industry, uh, second to Oreos only. (laughs) So we're really proud, and they're only offered three months a year. well, you know, so you got to get them up again. You got good. And, they, and they freeze well. Insider I, I actually like them frozen. Yeah. But anyway, more importantly, <laughs> talk to me about the role of the cookie sales. We've had a lot of yeah. debates in our household about why cookie sales. What's the point? And um, yet I get the sense that part of why Julia's in business school might have something to do with cookie sales. So talk to well, me about we, this. We, we hear that a lot, that, um, you know, girls and women's first um, foray into the business world was the Girl Scout cookie sale. Um, what's important for everyone to know is that it's a financial literacy and entrepreneurship program like no other. Girls are um, selling cookies, yes, and, you know, you might see an adorable um, group of girls in front of your grocery store, and we hope you um, buy from them. But before you do that, we hope you engage in a conversation with them. What goals did they set around the number of boxes they want to sell? What are they saving their money for? Usually it's a take action project to better their own communities. Yeah, I want to pause yeah, there for sure. a second because this has been one of my big questions. What does the cookie money go towards? So 
so important. Um, when you buy a box of cookies in your community or wherever you're buying it from, the money stays in that community. The group of girls, whether they're kindergartners or first graders, um, or whether they're 11th and 12th graders, um, they are deciding how, how to use that money. Um, it is staying there. Um, it is not going to national headquarters. It doesn't keep our lights on, <laughs> you know, anything so like really that. it's really money that yeah. goes into their local activities. It's an investment in girls' learning, and it's it's, it allows them to make that change that they wish to see. Um, it's it's usually for um, one of those take action projects. It can be used for you know a gold award project, etc. Like Julia spoke of. Um, sometimes it's sponsoring um, girls. Sometimes our girls' troops are sponsoring other girls to go to camp for the summer or to do some international travel and service project. So um, that money can do a whole lot for a group of girls. But importantly, girl led. We come back to that again and again. Girls have. Um, the um, decision-making power around how to spend that money. So I that, have, Was that your experience, Julia? Absolutely. Yes. So I, I have to come clean with something. Um, until recently, and it was actually Sheryl mm-hmm. Sandberg who helped me understand yes. it, oh, you know, personally, because we have coffee. No, but I mean through the <laughs> national campaign. Yeah, we do too. That um, <laughs> I had – Girl Scout cookies resonated for a place in me, in a place where I realized kitchen appliances resonated for my mom. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've told my friends the story that I, when I graduated from college, I desperately needed good kitchen supplies and I couldn't afford them. And she was like, but I can't buy you appliances. It's like it's like making you domestic. And I said, Mom, <laughs> other people get appliances from bridal showers. I'm not going to get married so that I can have a frying pan. And I'm not yet making enough to you afford really good kitchen good equipment. <laughs> and the next day, via overnight delivery, came a great frying oh. pan and great knives. But I realized for her generation, um, understanding that that was part of enabling me and not limiting me was a shift. For me, mm-hmm. cookies were always associated with the overly feminized role women are expected to take in the workplace. It's bake sales. It's homey. But that's not what this is about at all. And it's never really been about that. But it was something that our women, our young women and our girls could do in the, um, oh, I, I feel like it was around, um, well, our 100th centennial of the cookie sales was just this last um, year, um, 2017. So around 1916, 1917, um, the first troops were actually baking their cookies to sell to support their activities. Okay. So now we have really evolved this. I've mentioned, you know, girls and the organization have changed. And um, they're still doing it to support their activities, but we've really infused it with um, – a rigorous financial literacy and entrepreneurship curriculum. Um, so girls are getting, you know, marketing skills. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're getting, um, of course, those financial literacy and money management skills, um, skills in business ethics, um, uh, financial decision making, things like this. So Julia, talk to me about the, because you sold cookies year after year. How did I it did. change as you matured and as you moved through the programs? Absolutely. I think the first year I sold cookies, um, it was just something to where, like, I was like, oh, all these other Girl Scouts are selling cookies. This is a great activity, fun way to get. It's iconic. It's iconic. You have to sell Girl Scout cookies. But yeah, as I got older, I realized all of the skills I was learning along the way. So um, goal setting is a huge part of it because each year I would set an individual goal for how much I would want to sell and then our troop would set a goal. Um, decision making is a huge part of it because we would have to decide what to do with our cookie money after the sales. So we always decided to do a service project. Um, but, you know, what organization did we want to support? Um, what activities did we want to do with our troop? Um, and what supplies would might we need to buy with our cookie money? 
Um, and people skills is another huge um, component of the cookie sales that I learned. Standing mm-hmm. at a booth um, <laughs> really was able to get me outside of my comfort zone. Oh my god, I was I, I still remember the terror of having to go knock <laughs> on the neighbor's door to yeah, see if they would buy Girl Scout cookies. As if like they were gonna bite my head off instead of like, no, I'll take four boxes. Yes. How were you what was going on inside of you? How did you deal with that fear and does it ever show up for you as you're making presentations or pitching ideas now? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I was definitely nervous the first time I went door to door. I was like, I don't even know this neighbor. Like, what if they say no? (laughs) And what happens if they say no? And that's the beauty of the cookie sales. You have to learn how to deal with people who say no or people who are shy. Just reaching out and starting a conversation with adults can be intimidating for a girl. Um, But I really benefited from learning how to do that at an early age. And it's definitely transformed my life and helped me become a better public speaker, um, not be afraid to reach out to adults in different career fields. So super important skills that I learned. So it sounds like this has actually transcended the cookies and it's become a program that is teaching really valuable skills. Yeah, and they're skills that translate well beyond Girl Scouts, right? Absolutely. Um, Julia spoke so um, eloquently about you know, hear, facing rejection, you know, hearing no and asking again or going elsewhere. I mean, through all of our different uh, program areas, girls learn to kind of alter their strategies, alter their pitches, you know, change their plans. And that's kind of what life requires, <laughs> right? <laughs> Business or otherwise. Um, so we are readying girls for, you know, any avenue they choose. So in the category of the things we choose to keep the same and the ch- things yes. we choose to change. Um this is so transcended the cookie itself, even though, you know, like you said, three months of the year, we're all like, where can I get my thin mints? And Patty wants shortbread cookies for her coffee. Um, have you ever, cons- has Girl Scouts ever considered um, it not being cookies and it being something else? It's it's always been considered. And um, every now and then we get the question, well, you know, cookies aren't healthy. Well, balance in life is healthy. And we consider <laughs> cookies a sometimes treat. Um, it's a financial literacy and entrepreneurship program. So that's okay. And I think our world would miss Girl Scout cookies, we right? We certainly would. Um, <laughs> well, so, so, but you do it, regularly it's, it's the demand we're responding it. to. We, ha- we have, you know, occasionally, but we're so proud of our national cookie program um, that we, we've not really... I'm not been suggesting to go off course. I'm but, not suggesting you know, that it should be changed. Right. It's just no, interesting I understand. when because part of what you're reflecting to me mm-hmm. is what a dynamic organization Girl Scouts is as a whole. That um, we tend to think about it as it manifests in our local troops. Right. That's I think what you see that's yeah. our brand on the ground, and I think right. we've all become more aware of it as an organization because of the national campaigns to make us aware of it and the Band Bossy campaign. Yes, yes. Um, but I'm particularly great. fascinated in. The ways that as an organization you're reconsidering on a, as a regular part of your operation, what should the girls' experiences include? We How have do to we stay keep relevant. them relevant? We, we have to continue to stay relevant with our content, with the way we deliver experiences to girls. Um, we have to keep up with girls, right? Their <laughs> needs and their lives change, and um, we have to be where they are. Um, by the way, this is Women at Work on Business Radio here on Sirius XM 111, and I'm your host, Laura Zarrow. I am talking with Andrea Bastiani-Archibald, Chief Girl and Family Engagement Officer for Girl Scouts of the USA, and former Girl Scout, current Wharton student, Julia Bash. So as we're talking about um, the needs of girls, 
Mm-hmm. And the, one of the things you also noted was that you also address the needs of families. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about what that looks like and how that's impacting both the organization and the Girl Scout experience. Sure. Um, so I am proud to lead, actually, our family engagement initiative. Um, we have always included our families, but we're being, um, I think, even a bit more supportive. Parenting is really hard, and parents and caregivers, you know, thankfully look to us to um, – and entrust their girls um, in great out-of-school time experiences. But we're offering them what we believe now is unique guidance on raising girls today and in areas in which we are expert. We, of course, have our Girl Scout Research Institute. I spoke um, to that a bit earlier. But we also have a website called Raising Awesome Girls, and it's for parents, um, caregivers, families, anyone who cares about girls. And can you get and, this at girlscouts.org? Yeah, girlscouts.org slash raising girls. Um, and we offer um, unique and action content. That's the difference. So we don't just make parents and caregivers aware of issues girls are facing today, but we give them the actual words to start those conversations with their daughters. We give them the activities that they can engage with their daughters in um, to either help them see STEM all around them, start a conversation about bullying, um, start a conversation about things that girls might be hearing um, in the you know larger you know media today. So um, we're giving parents those tools that um, we think are really valuable. We know parents want them. We're getting a great response. So really exciting to see that we're pre- we're preparing girls, you know, through their Girl Scout experiences, but we're also helping parents be better parents, more confident, competent parents of raising girls. It sounds like in an amazingly um, kind of proactive but yet disciplined way, you're navigating a very contentious, complicated world and helping serve a whole array of girls and families. Julia, we're trying. <laughs> as, as you experience this up front, you know, you, you've been growing up in an era with um, social media everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. To say that politics are contentious is probably the understatement <laughs> of our time. Um, and complicated social issues that keep emerging. In an organization that's fundamentally positive and um, purposefully nonpartisan, Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, how did Girl Scouts help you navigate these issues? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I love the aspect of Girl Scouts that just encourages girls to find areas in the community that they can get involved and helps them see themselves as leaders, no matter what that role might be. Um, so you were talking about how it's nonpartisan. Um, I think that's so important today because um, a lot of girls feel pressure from different political parties, especially with the recent Mm -hmm. election. Um, But all of the programs that I went through as a Girl Scout taught me about what it looks like to be a woman in a government leadership position, no matter what party um, I would be in. So it's just a great way to allow girls to explore those leadership opportunities and um, community engagement opportunities. One of the things that you mentioned early on in talking about your experience um, in working with your troop Mm -hmm. was in um, bringing ideas about there, making decisions together about what to do with your money. Yes. We have a large body in the U.S. that's trying to make decisions about what to do with our money. It sounds like they could they learn, can learn from a little you guys. from our collaborative yes. leadership but, model. But talk to me because that's challenging for a lot of people. We talk about it a lot on Women at Work, about how we help people solve problems together and have every voice heard. Talk to me about that experience of negotiating with your peers and how, it, how you feel like you're developing with it as now the stakes are getting higher. Mm-hmm. 
I think from early on, it was just always a discussion. And Girl Scouts allowed us to feel like we could have our voice heard and anyone could contribute to the discussion and share their opinions. Um, so even starting out small, like what food are we going to have at our camping trip? Um, <laughs> high to, stakes discussions. High, right, right. To um, larger discussions, my troop um, did a collaborative bronze award project. So the gold award is the highest award in Girl Scouting, then the silver and then the bronze. So we did the bronze award in early middle school and we had to decide as a group what to do for the project um, because we were doing it together. So this was a great example of a collaborative decision making and we all uh, shared our opinions and thoughts and ideas and then reached out to adults um, for advice and mentorship as we went along. What about navigating conflict? Because, you know, somebody once said to me, as soon as you have two people, you have (laughs) politics. And as soon as you get a group of people trying to make something happen, you're going to have differences of opinion. How did you navigate conflict through this? Or what did you learn about navigating conflict? Yeah, I think we learned that um, ultimately it's just best to be collaborative and work together to achieve our goals because ultimately we all had the same goal of earning the bronze award. And so while some people may have favored doing a project at the animal shelter and other people favored doing a project at our school. Um, We all had to take our ideas together, see kind of um, where people were sitting, what ideas we would all be good at collectively, um, rather than just like go for one project that someone was super That's actually a key learning in there is that you considered what you could implement effectively together based on the skills that you had. Yes. So the pros and cons, um, identifying all the teammates' strengths perhaps and seeing what you can effectively make change on. Healthy relationships, we believe, in Girl Scouts is a critical leadership outcome. And again, if you look around the world today, you can see that everyone needs it. And um, for girls, we think the two areas um, that girls can really use – support and some strength in are direct communication skills, Mm -hmm. the willingness to speak directly about your own opinions, about your feelings, as well as to navigate those conflict um, situations and resolve them peacefully. Not back down, not necessarily go to total consensus. Whether you're (laughs) fifteen or thirty five. Exactly. These are I mean these are leadership lessons I personally wish I had (laughs) when I was Julia's age or younger. Um, But we're really doing our best to promote them and then as you can hear, um, girls are getting these ex- lived experiences in their troop meetings around um, take action projects, et cetera, every day. Um, part of what we're talking about here is the impact of these experiences, how it shaped you over time. And one of the great reports that mm-hmm. you've put out yes. is the Girl Scout Impact Study. We're so proud. What are the yeah. high points? What are you seeing as the chief places where Girl Scouts impact girls in ways that are going to help them as they become women? So what we in the Girl Scout um, Impact Study, we compared Girl Scouts matched to non-Girl Scouts um, on all of our five leadership benefits. So that's um, strong sense of self, positive values, willingness to seek challenges and take healthy risks, healthy relationships, like I just talked about, and then um, community problem-solving skills. And Girl Scouts at every level exceeded um, non-Girl Scouts in these um, in the attainment of these outcomes. Regardless of socioeconomic Regardless status. Regardless of um, racial, ethnic background, socioeconomic status, Girl Scouts is working for all girls and at every grade level. Um, Importantly, we talked a little bit earlier about the effects of Girl Scouts translating um, beyond the Girl Scout experience. Well, we know when we compare Girl Scouts to non, they're reporting that they're getting higher grades, that they have um, an adult in their life who supports them and helps them achieve their goals and is, you know, listening to them about their passion areas and wanting them to um, achieve their dreams. And that's 
critical. Um, when we compare girls of particularly low socioeconomic status who were Girl Scouts compared to non, um, other low SES girls don't have those adults in their lives. And so Girl Scouts is really leveling the playing field mm -hmm. for all girls. Um, our Girl Scouts are more hopeful about their futures. They know they'll go on to college and um, have a great future ahead of them. That's incredibly important. Uh, one of my favorite uh, findings, though, in this study is that when we think about middle school and the adolescent years, there's these normative declines in self-esteem that everyone yes. talks about. Everyone starts feeling bad when they enter and adolescence. it's also a critical time when girls yes. who were previously interested in and good in, in STEM fields Fields, they start to fall away right it. off, right? Well, we find in our studies that Girl Scouts compared to non, our Girl Scouts experience a slight lift in sense of self and confidence. Our Girl Scouts are also more likely to aspire to fields in which girls and women are underrepresented. So really, really strong and data-driven right. <laughs> findings, you know, that support what we're doing for girls and, frankly, for the world today. Well, and, you know, we're talking here every day, but yeah. how do we get more girls to join, stay, succeed, and lead? How do we create yeah. a pipeline of women into leadership roles, recognizing that it's just those things? At times, it's self-esteem. It's mm -hmm. the aversion to risk. Yes. Um, and it's the inclination to either be to let themselves be steered away from or not step up to STEM-based challenges or profit exactly and loss right. responsibilities that get in the way of their ascension into the CEO or the C-suite. And it sounds like this is kind of the earliest nationwide, like if we think yes. about what can we do nationwide to help put more women into that pipeline. It sounds like Girl Scouts is one of our most potent resources. I, I think we're buffering ourselves against some of those negative effects or messages that girls are getting from our larger culture. Mm -hmm. And we're keeping them in that safe girl space um, just long enough to really take those skills they're learning there and take that practice and use it throughout their lives. One of the things about that safe space, yep. you said before that you're teaching girls to seek challenges and take healthy risks. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm the mother of a 15-year-old. Yes. Um, how do you keep your kids, help them stay brave mm -hmm. and not be stupid? Um, yes. And, a, and that the risks, teenagers as well. And the risks <laughs> get deadly at a certain point. They do. And we're talking about healthy ones, right? And so how do you talk to the girls about it? How do you make it real? How do you make the distinction between the healthy risk and the unhealthy risk? So when we talk about healthy risk taking or see a willingness to seek challenges, we're talking about stretching girls a bit beyond their comfort zone. Our environment really enables girls to feel that support. Um, Julia spoke of collaboration and team building as opposed to that overly competitiveness or um, kind of cat fighting that too often dominates mm -hmm. girl groups. So girls are cheering for other girls. <laughs> you know, it sounds kind of dorky, but, you know, when girls have been growing up in this environment, they're looking to girls for support. They have high expectation of their female friendships and their female teammates that they will carry into the business world as opposed to presuming that she's going to backstab me. Right. There's a, right? a different framework. There's a for different looking. orientation, a different frame of mind that we cultivate from the youngest ages. Um, that's another buffering effect I think we have um, because if you if you look on television, um, if you look at would be at reality TV or otherwise, you know, women's relationships are not portrayed that way. It's true. So with just we just have a couple yeah, sure. minutes left. Um, with all that you've imbued these girls with, 
what are you helping what what's the next step for helping them take all the po- positive forces that they've developed in themselves and put them into the communities around them we have an exciting new initiative we're launching um, it's called the girl agenda and um, it's really a multi-year initiative where we are sharing what we have done best for over 105 years civic engagement we want all girls and women to feel their power and we want others around the world frankly to back them in this and to sign on to the girl agenda and say I support girls using their skills and changing their communities in positive ways so you don't have to just be a Girl Scout to do this we're sharing some of our um, some pieces from our curriculum on um, girlagenda.org we are um, sharing pieces for parents and caregivers as well as for girls so they can take action in the way and what are some of the key elements to this agenda um, so elements, they're curriculum based, they're um, social media sponsored. Um, we want to garner support from corporations and other organizations. We want to link arms really around girls and women and say, hey, you know, use your voice, use your agency, better the world. Um Again, we're expanding beyond Girl Scouts, and I think that's what's critical. Um, We aren't insular. (laughs) We aren't exclusionary. So the program includes different ways of engaging with girls and with the community for non-Girl Scout members. um, We're giving girls and families ways to exercise their voice. They may have seen an inequity in their own community. They may not be current Girl Scouts. We hope they will come to us, but we're giving them the tips and the skills um, or curriculum pieces so they can develop the skills. this is fascinating. Yeah. So in other words, you don't have to be a Girl Scout to benefit from the Girl Scouts. No, and to learn you don't. From this is just one way. to the world around you. You know what? We, we have a bigger mission. We want to change the world for all. And we think girls are our greatest medium. So if we can empower girls and families to use some of these um, pieces from our national core, we are happy to share them. And we hope you'll return to us, too. And aside from the <laughs> obvious link to girls, it's actually an acronym. What does girl stand for? Oh, G.I.R.L. Um, it's our inclusive definition of leadership. It's um, go-getter, innovator, risk-taker, and leader. These are the characteristics we believe we're developing in girls today. But we believe anyone can be a girl. So all of your listeners, male or female. We believe you are girls too and come support the Girl Agenda. Okay, so if they want to find out more about the Girl Agenda? Girlagenda.org www.girlagenda.org okay. yep. And same Sorry. thing is true mm-hmm. if anybody's interested in becoming a troop leader? Oh, and we would really love for you to do so. We have girls on waiting lists across the country. Please come to girlscouts.org and find our council finder. You'll find your local or regional council office and you can sign on to be an adult volunteer. I can't thank both of you enough. I am thrilled to have you join me here in Women at Work. And thank you for all the work you're doing on behalf thank of you. all of us Been across great. the country. And Julia, this isn't going to be our last conversation. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for reaching out initially and for being here, here today. Um, if you have a question us. about anything you heard on today's show, you can email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com, SiriusXM.com, and be sure to follow our show on Twitter at BizRadio111. A special thank you, of course, to my guests today, Andrea Bastiani-Archibald and Julia Bash. I'd also like to thank my fabulous producer, Patty Hall, and our magnificent sound engineer, Danielle Bruno. I'm Laura Zarrow, and you have been listening to Women at Work here on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School on Sirius XM 111. Thanks so much. Thanks.